0: You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Uh, I just want to, you know, share with you guys today. I'm super excited. Greg's going to be speaking in Augsburg, and I'm here, so we're tag-teaming. But I want to talk, if you have your notes, if you didn't get notes, maybe raise your hand. I know there's a lot more, and ushers can... Drop them off if you didn't grab a paper. Because I like to do fill in the blanks. Anybody else like fill in the blanks? Yes. Okay. So this helps me remember because I zone out, and I'm a mom, and I fall asleep. Even when my husband speaks, I've been known to fall asleep. So I don't want you guys to fall asleep. So this is, uh, you know, if you don't have a pen, those little welcome cards, there should be an NTC pen. Grab it. Um, You don't have to do it. This is not homework. Just a few fill outs. Keep you on you know, tasks. So I want the title of my message that I want to talk about today is called, Do You Love Me? Okay. But before I get into that, I just want to hit on the fact, I know it was mentioned, I think, in one of the announcements that Lent officially started this week. Did you guys know that? Anybody, people maybe with a Catholic background here um, celebrate Lent or maybe a different denomination? Okay. So Ash Wednesday was this Wednesday. And that officially starts the Lenten season. And all that really means is it's the church reflecting on the 40 days before Easter, okay? Or the 40 days before Jesus' death, excuse me. Um, So it's the 40 days up, kind of looking towards, you know, Jesus was looking towards the cross, right? And so it's a time of reflection for us as a church and as a community to remember these things. But if anybody else like me grew up Catholic what i thought lent was about was you had to give something up anybody ha- and and if you're giving something up for lent awesome i'm not i'm not talking against it that's all i knew though i didn't even get the whole like easter was coming jesus was dying it was like oh, i have to give up chocolate or soda or something really weird you know and then i have to eat mcdonald's fish burgers on friday <laughs> like It never really clicked for me. It was just really like, what am I going to give up this year? And it was really weird things. But I want to encourage you guys, if that is something God presses on your heart, maybe God wants you to give up something, okay? Maybe he wants to give you up something like social media. Maybe it's been a big distraction for your life. Oh, somebody hit the alarm. Does anybody know how to shut that off? Okay, go save the day. I only know that sound because I've done it before. It's a big, big crash bar on a door, and it says, alarm will sound if you hit this door. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's not on. I was taking someone through a tour like last month in the church, and I hit it. And it was like, and there was no one there. And I'm like, please the police coming? Okay. So anyway, ignore the alarm. It's not a fire alarm. We're good. So, so I kind of always had that idea of giving something up, and, and maybe God will call you during this time of Lent to give something up, but my challenge for you, and I think that the challenge that Jesus put before us, even in his last 40 days on this earth, was less about giving something up, and what if we took on a challenge, and in the next 40 days, we said, I'm going to take something up, Okay? So not give something up. What if you said in the next 40 days, Jesus, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to say, what do you want me to take up? Okay? So we're going to talk about that today. Um, So what I mean by that is when you feel like God gives you a burden for something, sometimes it's easy to ignore it or to say, well, I'm really busy during this season. Listen, if anybody's busy, moms are busy, right? Like, I get busy. But God puts a burden on our heart sometimes because he's wanting us to take something up. And sometimes it's not always clear what that is. But something that God, obviously, I mentioned earlier, has been speaking to me is the Augensburg Church. So that's something that me and my husband have taken up. And it's a big commitment. Do I like to drive all the time? I don't like to drive at all. Because you remember how I said I fall asleep when I'm in church? I also fall asleep while driving. It's a really bad combination. Borderline narcolepsy. So... um, so there's things that I don't like about it, but when God lays a burden on our heart, we have the responsibility to say, am I supposed to take this up? Um, so that's one thing, but I tell you what, who's been to Augensburg Church? Yeah, just maybe visited once, or maybe you served. God is doing such awesome things. Go one time, sleep in a little, and Go. I'm giving you permission to sleep in. Because it's just been so exciting. Every week we have new families, which I just is so awesome. We've had families that have never stepped foot in a church, any church, a mass, a wedding, ever, in their whole lives. And they say things like, wow, I didn't know church music could be so cool. <laughs> or, you know, I had another lady say to me, um... I don't know why, but my 12-year-old son, he sat with me, and he cried through the whole service. And I asked him why, and he said, I don't know why. And she said to me, do you know why? And I said, I do. It's Jesus. So it's been so fun, so exciting, the things that God is doing there. Um, So come visit sometime. But that's something God's laid on us to take up. Um, Another thing that got in, I'm throwing this out here because it happened yesterday, and there might be somebody here that says, oh my gosh, this might be the thing I'm supposed to take up. Yesterday, there was 14 or 15, I'm not good with numbers, people that met in the welcome room here that either have been radically delivered from addiction or have a burden to help people be delivered from addiction. 14 from all over, Augensburg, Morristown, Lisbon. It was so cool. And we just sat, and everybody, because most people didn't know each other, everybody just shared their story, shared their testimony. And I sat there in that group, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I get to do this? Like, it wasn't, oh, I have to, or this is a drag, or I should organize this. All I could think of sitting there was, why do I get to do this? To hear these crazy, sometimes heartbreaking, but crazy, miraculous stories of God intervening in people's lives. And I realized, I get to do this. So we don't have anything official with that yet. But with starting the Augensburg Church, one of the things we really felt as a leadership team was to start some kind of addiction recovery. Um, because we all know, well, Messina and Augensburg, that's something that's a huge need, Right? So this is not an official group yet, but maybe this is, that's something that, man, that's on your heart. So come talk to me after, because I would love to meet with you. Um, we're just really just kind of praying and building relationships with each other. There's no big agenda yet, but that's another thing that I felt like God said I'm supposed to take up. So the third thing that I felt like God in the last year has really challenged me, and this might be something that he's calling you to do, and this one's weird. A lot of people aren't going to like this one. But I'm gonna challenge you because I really felt like the Holy Spirit showed me a picture of something a couple weeks ago. And what it is, is to reach out to people online. Now, some people are like, oh my gosh, listen to me. I'm not saying you have to start writing blogs like I'm doing, I'm not saying you have to learn how to use Instagram because some people are way beyond that. <laughs> and that's okay. But I, this is what the, the Holy Spirit gave me this picture a month ago. And it was this My husband loves construction. Pearlbutt family, they're all about construction. And in the picture, it was somebody, I don't know who, working on a house, and they had a hammer and nails. And they're pecking away. They're putting up the, you know, I don't even know, siding. It must have been wood siding. Just go with me here, okay? And, you know, so they're hanging the siding or whatever. And it was like the Holy Spirit came and set down all of these DeWalt power tools and set them down on the ground and said, hey, these might help. These might help with the job. And the guy looked at him and was like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I got this. I'm old school. I got this. Now, I'm not telling you guys you have to become tech savvy or any of that. Uh, So please hear what I'm saying. But what I'm challenging you on is we're called to be the light of the world. You don't have to go and write a blog. But you know what you can do? You can go on Facebook and hit share for a service because you do not know who's going to see that service and you might think well I don't know I don't want people to like unfriend me and think I'm pushy or think I'm weird get over it there's a broken world I sat last night with 14 people with the most devastating but beautiful stories and I saw how God intervened and he used people and what is the easiest way we can do that we have this technology where I can literally speak to thousands of people like bloop is that crazy I can be sleeping at night and somebody's hearing a video of where I shared my testimony and they're crying while I'm sleeping. That's, that's amazing! So I challenge you guys, I haven't even gotten to my message yet, but I really felt that he gave me that picture. And it doesn't mean you have to recreate the wheel. But listen to me, when you create anything, if you create a painting, if you write something, if you build something, do you know that thing speaks long after you're gone? And you know, that thing that you created can go places that you'll never go. And it can reach people that you'll never reach. And God forgive us if we have a whole bunch of power tools at our feet and we say, oh, that's not me, I'm pretty private. Listen, it's not about being private. You don't have to plaster your kids on Facebook. That is not what I'm saying. But there are things. Oh, my goodness. There's the marriage thing. I can sh- share on that because there could be a marriage on someone that I'm friends with, and they will see that post, and they will end up going to that class, and God could radically save their marriage. Amen? So I know I'm pushing you a little on this, but I really want to challenge you because I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, every, we've had a word in this house before. And he said, everything you need is in the house. So every person you need, every finance you need, every technology you need, everything you need is here. We just don't believe it, right? We're just like, not me. I I can't really do anything for God. Yes, you can. You can. So that was just an intro. Sorry, guys. (laughs) So let's get to the actual notes. So that's my challenge today. So instead of giving up something for Lent, what if, what if we pray during this time before Easter and say, Jesus, I don't want to do just what somebody tells me to do. What do you want me to take up in this season? Okay? So it says, what was your moment? Okay. I shared this funny story, and I'm going to share it with you guys. On a video that I posted on Facebook, but it was it was something that I just kept thinking about. So back when I was a young adult, me and my husband knew each other since we were teenagers. Um, long story, and some of you guys have heard his story of, of you know almost committing suicide and God intervening and us becoming friends. But basically, he ends up going to college in Florida, where I went to college at a Christian college. And in order to get to and from college, this was a terrible plan. Just saying. <laughs> was we, instead of flying, Greg at the time, who was just my friend, wanted to drive his 19, what year was that Chevy? 1920, 1980 something Chevy pickup truck with a bench seat all the way from Messina to Florida, Lakeland, Florida. Not just once, multiple times. And pulling a giant trailer filled with all of his sound equipment. So that made extra sense. And so we would do this trip back and forth and during breaks, and we had another friend that went with us. So there was three of us, two big men, one small girl sitting in the middle on a bench seat, and there was no air conditioning, and his oil always leaked. So he had to constantly pull over, not to get gas, but to buy more oil to fill it up. It was terrible. This, this is the scenario. So I was reminded of this moment, and on one of these trips, I think we were actually driving from Florida to Virginia because there was a conference um, at a church that we're actually Tom, the church that Tom Wells planted in Virginia. There was a youth conference. So me and him went to it, and at one point on this trip, I'm riding. It's just me and him. Our friend wasn't able to go last minute. I'm riding in the car, and I get this overwhelming sense. Now, we're just friends, you know, like the friend zone. I get this overwhelming sense of, man, I love this guy. Like, like, so overwhelming. Like, I'm like, and that's not me. And so I don't say anything at first, but I reach over and I grab his hand. And he looked at me with the most wild, weird eyes. Like, what are you doing? And he's just like, and he pulls over and then he gets out of the car. He says nothing. He goes in probably to buy more oil. And he comes back out and he said, do friends hold hands? I'm like, no, he's a little. No, friends probably don't hold hands. And he was like, well, listen, I don't, I don't want a, just, just a relationship. Like, this is like all or nothing. And I mean, and, and I just like blurted out of my mouth. I'm like, I love you. And he was just like, uh, oh. Uh. And so then he's bawling, crying, and he ends up telling me he loves me. It was a really crazy, I don't recommend this for your first day of dating, okay? So this is not like dating 101, okay? But it was a moment in time where I will never forget And the reason why I tell you that story, although it's very awkward and embarrassing, is because when you experience the love of Jesus, it should be a moment in time you never forget. And that moment, that moment in that 1980s truck, that changed my whole life. That moment changed everything. And when you experience the love of God, really experience it, it will change everything. Okay, so the first point. So the question is, when was your moment? Number one, is it's a distinct moment in time. So what I want to say to you, there's a lot of people, not a lot of people, but maybe people in this room that have been raised in the church, which I think is amazing and beautiful, and that's what I hope for my children, that, that they always know the presence of God, and they always know about the Word of God. But you know what else they need? That's not enough. They need a moment where they know that Jesus loves them, and they love him. It's a moment in time that you never forget. And I think sometimes we think, well, oh no, I know, I know all about God, or I've been to church since I was a kid, and that somehow is enough. But I want to challenge you it's not. Because the second point is it's personal. When you have a moment with Jesus, it's personal. So we're going to look at a couple of the disciples, well, they had many moments, but a couple of their moments. So if you want to open your Bibles to John 20. So I'm just going to kind of give you a backdrop of John 20. We're really going to focus on John 21. So what's happened is Jesus has died on the cross. He's rose from the dead. Mary Magdalene, like, is, you know, telling the disciples, oh, my goodness, he's risen. Nobody really believes her. Crazy lady talk, right? Right. They know he's not in the tomb anymore, but they're all pretty skeptical. So what do they do? They lock themselves in a room, in an upper room, lock the doors because they were afraid of all the Jewish leaders were going to come and kill them next, and they pray, and they're hiding, basically, and Jesus appears to them, and all the disciples are in awe, and they say, oh my goodness, I can't believe it's him, and they don't recognize him at first. So this is on a Sabbath day. Well, then a week later, the only disciple that wasn't in that room was Thomas. And if you guys remember anything about doubting Thomas, right? So Thomas, I'm going to read you real quick what he says. So the disciples are telling him, man, Jesus appeared to us. It was crazy. You won't believe this. Believe this. And it says, verse 24 of, of chapter 20. Now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So, a lot of people give Thomas a hard time. Like, you should just have faith. Even when you don't believe, you should have faith. And you know what I love about this story? Jesus shows up again. Exactly a week later. Just because probably Thomas was there this time. Why? Because when you have a moment with Jesus, it's personal. And he doesn't reprimand Thomas and say, geez, why don't you just believe? He says, hey, you want to put your hand in my side? You want to see the scars in my hands? Like, he literally says, come closer. Touch it. Feel it. Because when Jesus reaches us, he wants it to be so personal. It can't just be, oh yeah, I remember that one time I was in worship and I had this general vague sense like God loved me. No, 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 no. Then I would argue you haven't met him yet. And that's not a shame on you. That's a man, go after him today because today could be your moment. That you receive it for yourself. Because one thing my husband always used to say when we were young and he struggled with believing God loved him, he'd say this, listen, I know God loves me. He's God. He loves everyone. It's like a cliche blanket statement. Like, he has to love me. And I would say, you don't know him then. You don't really know him then. Because when you really know him, you feel like you're his favorite kid. Now, he doesn't really have favorites, okay? So don't go quoting that later and get me in trouble with my husband, okay? But really... Like, I, i that's my slogan. God loves you, but I'm his favorite. Not because I'm good enough, but because if you experience the extravagant love of Jesus, you'll believe that. The shame will go. So I wanted to, can I tell you two stories? So the kind of sidelining again. First story is quick. So me and my husband went to Montana about a month ago, and it was so cool. If you guys know who Gary Hayes is, I love this guy to death. He's a speaker. Um, he's very prophetic. He prays for a lot of people and prays into their life. And um, he's been here before, I believe he's coming here, I think in May too, so he's coming. Don't tell, don't get me wrong on the dates, but um, so we were there all together at a church in Montana, our friend's church, the Swansons, who have actually also been here, and we got to pray, I can't even remember how many hundreds of people we prayed over in like two days. It was kind of insane. So we literally prayed over people in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, till like eleven o'clock at night at church, during church services. It was amazing. But the very, the very first person, and I was nervous because like Gary travels all over the world and does this. My husband's gone places and prayed for people, but I'm just like, and then there's this random girl over here. She might pray for you too. And I'm like, ah I was really nervous. But the first guy that walks up, you know we prayed for like 150 some people, I just immediately saw, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, take his coat. I think I took my husband's coat. Take Greg's coat and throw it on his shoulders. So the guy's up there like expecting to receive prayer. And I just take a coat and I put it over his shoulders. And he's looking at me like, what are you doing? And I, and I just said, I just feel like Jesus wants to say to you, who gave you that? It's, you're wearing a coat of shame. And why, why do you have that on? Who gave you that? And that guy just started bawling, crying. And I tell you the one thing that keeps you from having moments with God, it's that shame. You're wearing something that he never gave you, and you feel like you can't come towards him because you're carrying this shame on you. So that's the first story. It was amazing. God just broke that over him, and we ripped that coat off. Second story, and this is related to even the weird reaching to people online. This just happened two nights ago, but it was such a beautiful story. So I made a video of me sharing that stupid story about my husband and me in the Chevy truck, and I talked about you can't just know about Jesus. You, there has to be a moment in time where you experience his radical love. And this lady, I have no idea who she is because the way I don't understand how social media works, but she was not someone that was my friend. She writes this long comment under my video and says, I know what you're saying is true, but I just feel so unworthy, and I've done some things, and I've lost people in my life. It's just so hard for me to receive from God. So I don't know this lady, but I I comment back on her something. You know, I just say, no, God's not a respecter of persons. He wants to do this in your life. Well, she ends up sending me a direct message, like a a, a private message. And she shares with me some of the things that she struggles with. She actually lost her kids years ago. They went into foster care, and she lost them because of her decisions. And so she's struggling with all of this and feeling like she's failed as a mom. And I, you know, I don't really know what to say to her. And I just said, you know what? It doesn't matter what you've done. God doesn't care. He wants to meet you right now. So I sent her a song. And if you guys have ever heard of Jason Upton, he's just one of my favorite worship leaders. And I sent her a YouTube video, YouTube of all things. Okay? But it had the lyrics to a worship song called Faith by Jason Upton. It's an amazing song. I sent it to her, and I just said, God always speaks to me when I hear this song. I'm just going to pray he speaks to you. Send it to her. Well, this is like 1030 at night. I like need to go to bed. Well, you hear a bloop, like 15 minutes later, and it's this lady. And she said, I don't know what just happened, but my hands flew up in the air, and tears started streaming down my face, and I can't stop crying. Over the internet, you guys. Jesus will use anything. And I was so touched in that moment, and I said to her, maybe this is your moment. And she said, that's exactly I'm telling you guys, Jesus can show up anywhere. And for some of you, he wants to show up today. Or he wants to challenge you to say, man, what are you going to take up? How are you going to carry him? How are you going to carry the Holy Spirit to someone else? What is he calling you to take up? Okay, I'm getting way off my notes. Okay. Third one is kind of, we just talked about it, the Holy Spirit shows up. Third blank is the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to go back into um, chapter 20 of John real quick. And the first time that Jesus showed up, it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. This is verse 20 if you're trying to follow along, but I'm just skimming through it. Sorry. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And and with that, he breathed on them the breath saying, Receive the Holy Spirit. So when you have a moment with Jesus, the Holy Spirit will show up. When we had that addiction meeting back in that room yesterday, at one point, I don't even know what I was saying, but there was another girl, she's from Augensburg, young girl, and she just started going, "Huh," and I'm like, are you okay? And she's just going like this, and I said, are you okay? She's like, I have, I've got goosebumps all over my body, and I said, that's the Holy Spirit. It's because what we're talking about right now is literally what he wants to do in this region. So we were talking about how he wants to break addiction in this region. And she didn't have any church background. And she was just like, oh, like because she could feel. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit. when the Holy Spirit shows up, it's not just an intangible thing. You can feel him in the room. I mean, is the Holy Spirit there when you don't feel him? Yes, absolutely. But when God wants to have a God moment with you, he's going to show up in power. He's going to breathe on you. Um, okay, where are we? So let's go to John 21. So all that has happened. Jesus appeared to them twice already, okay? I'm just going to read for a little bit. Is that okay if I just read, like just kind of get the story? Okay, so John 21, starting at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. They weren't important enough to have names. (laughs) I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but but that whole night they caught nothing. So just to stop for a second. They just saw Jesus, like, risen from the dead twice. Two Sundays in a row, or Saturdays, or whatever, And they're like, what do you want to do now? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Maybe we'll just go fishing. Yeah. Is that not us? Even when you've had a God moment, maybe you have this crazy moment, say on a Sunday morning, or maybe you have this time of prayer and it's so amazing and God speaks to you, and then you're like, I think I'm going to go to Applebee's now. What's wrong with us? The disciples had just seen Jesus twice, like walk through a wall, like crazy, like exorcists. I mean, no, not that was, that makes no sense, but like a scary movie stuff, like ghost appearing, Jesus, like what? And they returned back to their daily routine. Actually, some biblical scholars think that Simon Peter in particular never fished after the day he saw Jesus I don't know if you guys remember the story. Some of you guys might not know it, but when Jesus called um, Peter, well, who was named Simon before, he saw him fishing, and he said to him, he was out on a boat. He said, "Hey, I want to make you a fisher of men." And some scholars, but well, they can't really prove it. There's only one other time that Jesus even talks about fishing from then until this scripture. And it's when they're talking about, you know, um, do we give ta- pay taxes to the Roman government? And he was like, you know, go catch a fish and there'll be a coin in the mouth. So n- we don't know if they actually even went fishing. He just referenced it. So some people believe that Peter never fished because he spent this whole time with Jesus, right? Learning as a, you know, as a, a rabbi, following. He wasn't a rabbi, but learning from the Messiah, um, doing ministry. And then the minute Jesus is gone, in a sense... They're like, I don't know, what do you want to do now? Let's just go do what we always do. And this is human nature, right? Because who realizes that routines are way more easy than stepping out in faith? Because when I step out in faith, I have no clue what I'm doing. And if anybody tells you differently, they lie. Okay? I don't care how spiritual they seem. I don't care if they're Benny Hinn. I don't care if they pray all day long. When you step out in faith, you get scared. You have no idea what you're doing. But God shows But when you do the same thing every day and you go and you just go fishing, guess what God doesn't do? He doesn't show up. Is he with you? Of course. Does he love you? Absolutely. Does that take away from the moment you had with him? No. But this is the next point. Number four, if you don't use it, you lose it. Now, can God ever take away? I'm not saying you're losing your salvation, okay? Okay. I'm not saying you'll ever forget the moment when Jesus spoke to you or he healed your heart or you felt his love in such a tangible way and you knew he loved you. That can't be taken away. But the purpose, the reason he reveals that to you isn't just so, wow, I had this awesome moment and I'm going to think about it the rest of my life. And when I'm 80, I'm going to be like, thank you, Jesus, for that moment when I was 22 and you showed me you loved me. I mean, of course we want to remember. But that moment was for us to then go on a mission. Why did he appear to the disciples? It wasn't just be like, hey, guys, look, I can walk through walls. It's cool. Bye. No, what are the last words? You want to know what the most important thing to somebody is? It's what they say to you on their deathbed. Anybody ever been there with someone you love? The last words they say, whether it's, I love you, I'm proud of you, or maybe it's something they really want to see you do, or they want this for your life. I pray you find someone. I pray you have a family, or I pray you're happy in life. Those last words are really, really important. And what were Jesus' last words? Go and make disciples of all the nations, and lo, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of time. Anybody feel like it's the end of time soon? We're looking at like World War III, creepy stuff. Okay, listen, he's going to be with us, but, but if we don't use it, we lose it. The moment isn't just for me to feel warm and fuzzy inside. The moment is for me to realize now this is my mission. My mission is to go and be a co-worker with Jesus and to do this for somebody else. It's not about me anymore, and it wasn't about the disciples anymore. And so what does he do? So they're fishing. Jesus is up there thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to. Well, I guess maybe he was still on earth. I don't know how that all works. He was 40 days, you know, resurrected, appearing to people. He's thinking, i got to appear to them again. They don't get it. Okay? So they go fishing. So I'm going to read a little bit more. So I'm verse 4 of chapter 21, John 21. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Which I don't understand that. They've seen him already, but okay, he called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they said. And he said, Throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples who Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard it, he said, It is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garments around him, for he had taken them off. So I don't know if he was in his underwear. That's always interesting to me. (laughs) He didn't want to see Jesus in his underwear. And he jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Then Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was a full of large fish, 153. But even with that, so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, he took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was how the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had raised from the dead. I just love that he's just making them breakfast. I just think, you know, the 40 days where you're resurrected and appearing to people and, and leaving them with, like, the final, like, shouldn't there have been more important things that you were doing? But I think he wanted a model for us. No. What did he say? You want to be greatest in the kingdom? You got to be the least. You want to you serve people or you want to be a leader? You got to serve. He's just loving on them. He just wants to be with them. He wants to, to care for them. And that's what he's going to want them to do in return for others, Right? So verse, uh, sorry, I lost my place. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Now this is the part I really want to focus on. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So I'll just stop there. You know, Jesus didn't ask that because he didn't know the answer. Jesus asks us questions because we don't know the answer. Because right before Jesus died, Peter was proclaiming to everybody, man, you you might say somebody's going to betray you. It will never be me. I'm going to follow you to the end of the earth. They can kill me. He's making all these big claims, right? And then Jesus is going, you know, to trial, and he's going to be crucified, and people start asking Peter, hey, don't you hang out with Jesus? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, weren't you one of his disciples? Not, oh, not, what, who, Jesus, Who? Like, completely denies him three times. So that's why Jesus asks him how many times? Three times. And when he asks him, he doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon, which was his name before he ever knew Jesus. His name was changed to Peter when he said to him, Peter, you're, you're no longer Simon. You're going to be Peter because on this rock... I'm going to build my church. But when he saw him pull back, and he saw him go fishing, he saw him deny him, he's like, who are you? I know who you are, you're Peter, but right now you're acting like Simon. And so then he says to him, do you love me more than these? And the first word he uses for love, there's different words. See, we've got like one word for love. I love pizza, I love Greg, I love... This is us, the show. I don't know. I love adoption. Like, they're, they're just all like the same word. But we all know that hopefully there are different levels of love, right? <laughs> okay? But in the Greek language, the word love, there's a bunch of words for the word love. And when Jesus said to him, do you love me, it, the word is agape love. And what that means is, like, selfless love. Like, love, the best way I heard somebody describe it is it's love without a hook in it. It's love that gives and gives and gives and gives and gives and gives and and never thinks, when am I going to get back out of this? Okay? So he's like, do you love me like that? And what does Peter say? He goes, you know I'm your friend. Because the the word love he used was phileo, which means a friendship love. Like I have friends with people in the crowd here. Like, you know we're friends. We're good. Yeah, of course I love you. And then Jesus said to him again, no, 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 no. Do you agape love me? unselfishly, without a hook in it, give, give, give. And he's like, yes, you know we're friends. We're like best friends. We're good, right? And then he's hurt in his heart when he asks him a third time because he realizes, I am not giving the right answer. But what does he say? What is proof of his love? It's not how many times he attended church, It's not how many Bible verses he memorized. It's not how many small groups he was in. It's not what he gave up for Lent. See, all of those things are what the Pharisees did. But what does he say? How can he show his love for Jesus? Feed my sheep. So this is the last blank. I think I have a blank for this. Yes, number five. Our love is not measured by what we give up, but by what we take up. You want to know someone who's a leader? A leader is somebody that takes responsibility long before it's ever given to them. And sometimes I think we wait for someone to recognize us and say, hey, somebody, somebody important, give me something important to do. Somebody in the church, give me some ministry, or I feel overlooked. And I'm telling you what, it's not about somebody giving you something. Jesus has already given you a burden. It's about you taking up the responsibility long before anybody asks you to do anything. Because my burden and my duty isn't to man, it's to him. And it might not look cookie cutter, and it might not even be in this church building, but Jesus is calling us to take up ministries and people and things and causes for the kingdom. But so many times we just go fishing because it's easy. Or we just hold on to that God moment and remember, I, I talked to somebody, I met with a lady uh, in Augensburg. She's been a Christian for 30 some years and, and she just kept talking to us about, man, she said, I just, I remember back in the 80s. I remember back in the good old days where the Holy Spirit showed up and we would have these meetings and, and, and we heard her and it was great and she was reminiscing, but it was like she just kept wanting to go back We can't just hold on to those God moments. we got to move forward in what he has for us. And the thing is, it's not us. (laughs) That's the funny part. It's like, what do you have for me? Well, it's really not about you, but what do you have for me? What's my calling? Well, it doesn't really matter because it's not really about you. It's about everybody else. It's about feeding his sheep. And you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have any title in ministry because a leader takes on responsibility long before anybody ever gives it to them. You just take people. You claim them as your sheep. I, I, that was a picture I saw when I, I met with somebody a couple weeks ago, and they live out in the middle of nowhere where in Morristown, and the road is so bad you can't really get down there in the winter, and it's because they don't plow, and, and it's, you know, this tiny little place, and I pick them up and take them to lunch, and I hear her God story, and I'm just bawling, crying, because I'm so, it's the most beautiful story ever. And I drop them off, and I'm driving back from Morristown, back into Messina, and I just hear the Holy Spirit say to me, go find. If we're supposed to be like the good shepherd, he goes and finds the lost one. Do you know discontentment isn't because something's gone wrong in your life? Because I got a lot of wrongs. Discontentment is when you've been somewhere too long discontentment happens when I sit in the pen with all the other sheep and I'm like, I hate this fence. This fence is so, it needs to be painted. This fence, man, what's up with this fence? Like, why haven't we fixed the fence? That's discontentment, but it's just because I've been in the pen far too long. When Jesus says, there's something I have for you to take up, go find them. Or we just get focused on ourselves. Does this staff make me look too fat? Stop! Who cares? We don't matter. There's a world that matters, guys. There's people that matter. And I tell you, something has broken me in the last two months in in Augensburg. It's not about Augensburg. It's really just about what God's doing in me. And it's hearing these stories of people. And I'm, I'm not saying I've had a perfect life. I haven't. But hearing the devastation and the brokenness that people are living through. People that have been like, well, me and my mom, when we were in prison together, and I'm like, how is that a sentence? And they're like, we don't know how it's a sentence, but one bad decision leads to another bad decision, and we don't know how we got here. And I just said, Jesus, and I just hear the heart of Jesus saying, go find them. We can't expect people to walk in this door. He needs us to go find them online to go find them and pick them up for lunch, to go find somebody you used to work with before you retired and just take them out to eat. It doesn't have to be grand, guys. But if you do it with a heart of Jesus, what do you want me to say? Jesus, what do you want me to do here? He will show up. I have no idea where I am. And I have no idea what time I'm supposed to be done. Probably now. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Give me a second here. Okay, so I want to read verse 18. So this is the end of John 21, or towards the end. So he said the last time, Feed my sheep. And then verse 18 Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself. This is a big one, guys, and you went where you wanted, like fishing. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hand. Now, some people think, oh, when you're old, like, people have to take care of you. That's not what this means. When you're mature in Christ, you will stretch out your hand, and someone else will dress you and lead you uh, where you what? Don't want to go. That's the hardest part, right? Like, I like going fishing. I don't want to go talk to addicts today. That's weird. But do you know the person that's getting robbed, not just the person that needs Jesus more, but you. You. Because do you really want to go fishing? Do you really want to watch the 20 millionth episode of Netflix? Do you really? You don't. You're just as sick of being in that pen as I am. What you really want to do is have purpose. What you really want to do is make a difference in your life. What you really want to do is be used by God. And all those words spoken over you, you want to see come to pass. But it's easier. But there will be a day where someone takes my hand and I go somewhere I don't want to go. I don't want to go to Augensburg. But Jesus said, go to Augensburg. I don't get a say. We don't get a say when we become mature in Jesus. And it's not, woe is me. I'm I'm so sad I'm a martyr over here. It's, this is amazing. I get to be a part of this. It's not I have to. It's I get to. But you only know I get to after you already said yes. That's the trick. It's a trick. See, people look at adoption and they say, I'm not preaching on adoption, but this is a good example. Yeah, that looks hard. I'd rather not. I don't have to do it, so I'm not going to do it. See, but the point is you're the one getting robbed because the lie is that will be too hard, and I don't want to do that over there. It will make my life too hard. The truth is it will make your life more meaningful. And it's the same thing when you follow the Holy Spirit somewhere. It will make your life way harder. But you know what else it will do? Make your life way more purposeful. So what do you want? What do you want, guys? That last part, it says, Jesus, verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. So Peter was crucified too, but he refused to be crucified like Jesus. And he was crucified upside down, which is terrible. No one wants to sign up for that. But then he said to him, follow me. And those those words, follow me, is a um, present imperative. I'm not good with the English language. But what that means is it's not like one time you follow me. It's keep following me. Keep following me. Every day, keep doing this. Because guess what? Tomorrow... You can go back fishing if you want to. Because Jesus is a gentleman. He's never going to force his will on us. But he says to us, keep following me. Every day you put out your hand and you make the choice to go somewhere, be led somewhere. Maybe you don't even want to go. But if you do that, your life will have more purpose and more meaning. And God will use it in more ways that could blow your mind if you just say, okay, I'm going to keep following you. So I want to pray. If we can stand. I think there we don't have a worship team because Josh had to go to Augensburg. Poor guy is doing double duty today. But I want to pray. And I want to actually pray. If, if people, I want to pray for two groups of people. If you have to leave, guys, you're dismissed when I pray. Don't feel like you have to stay around. They're just going to play some worship music in the back. And if there's any elders here or small group leaders and you're willing to help pray, I don't know how many people will need prayer. I want prayer, please. Um, just kind of slip out of your seat. Um, these are the two groups of people I want to pray for. The one is people in here that say, "I don't know what that girl's talking about, God moment. Maybe you know about God. Maybe you went to church in the past, maybe you've been to church here for 20 years." But you just kind of come and you learn and it's good. But you have no idea, like, you can't point to some moment, distinct personal moment in time where you're like, something happened. And I want to encourage you, even if you've said, maybe you've said the sinner's prayer before, if you guys know what that is. But I want to encourage you, even if you've said that prayer, but you're kind of like, I still don't know if I had a moment. Like, I I, I believe in faith that Jesus died for my sins, but what you're talking about, I don't know if I've had. That's the first group of people I want to pray for second group of people we want to pray for is, some, is anybody in this room that's gone fishing. And it's easy to go fishing during COVID. It's easy to go on neutral during COVID because it's hard. Just trying to make it through the next day, especially if you have a family. But this is a season where Jesus says you, you can't stay in neutral because things that are in neutral just creep backwards. If you don't press into God, there's no staying where you are you only drift back. So that's the second group of people. If you're like, man, Jesus, I, I want to take up something before see, Easter comes. And I'm not just saying go to the back and like pick some random sign up and I'm, I'm signing up for VBS. Like don't be flipping about it. I want you to take time and to, to stand here and make that commitment today saying, Jesus, in these next 40 days before Easter, I'm going to pray and I'm just going to ask you, what am I supposed to take up? What is it? Is it a ministry? Maybe you're supposed to be involved in youth ministry. Maybe you're supposed to be involved with addicts. Maybe you're supposed to do something. Maybe you're supposed to create something that doesn't exist. Maybe you're supposed to start a small group that doesn't even exist. Maybe you are supposed to do a ministry. Maybe you're supposed to go to the jails. It doesn't have to be in these four walls. Maybe you're supposed to invest in kids' church. Maybe you're supposed to go to Augensburg. I don't know what it is. Only Jesus can tell you. But Jesus, I want to take up something. I want You're, gonna, you're looking at me saying, do you love me? And he's going to say, go find them. So just if you're either of those people, we're not going to differentiate, just come up. There's no like, there's nothing pretty about it. Just come up. If you don't want prayer, that's totally fine. But there'll be people here that want to pray with you. So Jesus, we uh, give this day to you, Jesus. I believe there are going to be divine moments today for those people that say, man, that's me, whether it's I need that moment, God, I've never had that moment where I know that I know you love me, or some people that say, man, I want to take something up during this season. I'm going to commit to that today. So God, we give this day to you, and I pray you do what only you can do in such a personal way in every life. Jesus' name, amen. So feel free to come up. If you need to leave, you are dismissed. thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.